It's Hamilton versus Ottawa, and we're just getting started here. The Cats Audio Network on Tiger Cats pregame presented by Greenworks. Greenworks Tools is kicking off your lawn care season with all the outdoor power you need. Tackle any chore like pros by visiting us at greenworkstools.com. Hey, one fella who's certainly seen the Hamilton Tiger Cats from close range doing the not-so-good to the glory days is Mr. John Salavanis, and he is going to present his pregame salutations for tonight's contest. Coach, always a pleasure to have you with us, and I got a one right off the top for you, that during these bye weeks, that many, it's, it sounds to me that a lot of the players, at least when they talked about it, when they came back this week, they go home, they clear their head from football. But I'm getting the feeling that the coaching staff here for the Tiger Cats didn't do a lot of relaxing at home. What, what goes on for the coaches during the bye week? Well, Bubba, it's good to be back with you. But at the same time, the coaches, it depends upon where you are in your schedule. It depends upon where you are in the win-loss record. Uh, as to how much time you can take away from the field. And, and I think with an 0-3 record facing uh, the uh, divisional opponent, I think the coaches probably stayed in their office most of the time and, and tried to refresh and, and reorganize themselves uh, to, to get a good output uh, for this week. We talk about that refresh. Does that mean to you, the if you're talking about, let's talk about play calling first, I guess. Do you do you simplify things or do you expand on your playbook uh, to come up with new looks to, to try to create some confusion? Well, here's what I'd go back to if it, if it were up to me. I'd go back to what Matthew Schultz does well. And that is to, to move the pocket, use the run pass option uh, uh, again, and spread that front by using your, your two backup offensive linemen, Black and Van Zyl, as tight ends. That spreads that offense right out and gives Butler a chance on the inside. And if you're doing a good job with the play action, uh, they have to bite on Butler. Now you get Schultz on the outside where he can get that easy throw. Uh, and you saw Kolaris last night do the same thing. You know, block the edge and get on the outside. And beyond that, I'd get the receivers involved in the run game. Where's the jet sweep that we used to run? Where are the things where you you got a ghost in the backfield, meaning take a slot back and run them behind the quarterback, whether you use them or not? Uh, it, it makes the defense look at it in a different perspective. Yeah, it sure does. And we, ex we both expected to see a lot more movement from Matthew Schultz last week. We started the game with a nice uh, bootleg deep pass downfield and, and didn't see too many design runs at all or, or RPOs at all last week. And uh, w Would that be a, a situation of, uh, well, Bo Levi Mitchell's already hurt. We want to make sure we keep Matthew Schultz healthy because we have an inexperienced, inexperienced depth at that position? No, I don't think so. I, I really think that you've got to let your quarterback do what he does best. You know, when you look at it, we had 17 drives at the quarterback position, and we came up with only one TD. They, they're not finishing their drives on the offensive side. Now, you know, I... I yeah, and that was well, at the end of the Toronto game, too, when it was already... Yeah, uh, already decided. Yeah, already basically. decided. Uh, you know, I liken it to, to the analogy of golf. In golf, the saying is that you drive for show and you putt for dough. Well, to me, what that means in football is if you throw that deep ball downfield for a completion, that's a great show. But 
when it's second down and three or third down and one, if you can't get that two yards or one yard, the show doesn't mean anything because you won't finish the drive and you won't get in the end zone with the TD. Yeah, well said. Going back to the, the team refresh, refresh through the bye, um, I know a lot of people were probably watching the transaction list day after day and uh, not, not too many changes either on player personnel or, or coaching personnel. Were you expecting to see any in that department? You know, it's, it's hard to evaluate that as an outsider because you don't know what's happening to each player. Who's dinged up and, and who's not, uh, and who's real healthy and who's not real healthy. So it, as an outsider, you can't really determine those things. That has to go to the coaching staff inside and quietly done in the locker room. So, you know, I expect that you're going to always see some change until you get on a winning streak. And right now we're on a losing streak. Three-game loss in a row, that's a losing streak. Well, there are a couple changes on, in the personnel. A few key names that are out um, would be Lawrence Woods III, uh, Mohamed Dalio, Diallo, excuse me, and uh, Tunia Delike, all not in the lineup tonight. Um, but we do get we do get the return of Coulter Woodmansey, and we see the debut uh, for Ticats of Jared Hewitt. Um, Anything, is that an injury related, do you believe, or was the, could those be some, some changes? Well, for, uh, and, you know, you're talking strategy. about a player to replace an injured player. Diallo's out. Yeah. You got Hewitt in. You know, uh, Black was hurt in the last game, uh, was taken out. Van Zyl's still on a comeback trail. So, uh, Wood Manzi's coming off the injured list, go back into play. So, th those things play into it. But uh, realistically, you know, every week you're going to see some change. A delicate at the secondary uh, level was hurt last time we played, which was two weeks ago. So now he can't start in this game. So Cat uh, Santonis is going to have to be the man uh, at the free safety position. I think something worth uh, chatting a few minutes about here is the <laughs> – there, there's a couple of designations on the roster, and um, I don't know if anybody completely understands them. They seem to change a little bit every year, but there's there's one called the designated American, and there's one called nationalized nationalized American. Okay. Yeah. What? So. <laughs> so it, it, it's truly confusing, isn't it? You yeah. know, yes. we've got designated players on the field that can only play a certain number of plays. Mm -hmm. Now, who's telling who? How many plays they have? They, it's my it's my understanding that the official is to, to there's 23 plays that that National American yeah. can play. Yes. Okay. So the official is in supposed play, in place of a national player in place and, of a Canadian. That's right. And, and so you know, to me, those are things that we don't need in the CFL. We actually need to have you're either an import or a non-import, and we play on that level. And, and we have that, that kind of a, a ratio in the yeah. game. Uh, when you've got a spotter upstairs that has to tell the official downfield, number 33 is on his 15th play, and he's only got 23 to go. But, you know, the official's got other things to do. Right. And, and supposedly yeah. do them a lot better. Uh, if he doesn't have all of that baggage to carry. My understanding, though, is that it, it, they'll tell the coaches that that player is done their 23 plays, substituting for 
a national player, they can still play in the game. They just have to still have the, the required amount of Canadians national. on that side of the ball that they started with. Um, and I don't think there's any penalty involved in that as far as in the game, except for a fine to the team, a $25,000 fine for uh, probably each play that that player plays. So I, I maybe have, it's... I have a feeling that rule's been broken a number of times. Yeah, well... well I, I have a feeling. You know, I think the coaches have to be realistic in what they do and, and not break the rules as they're, as they're lined up. But right. uh, realistically, uh, I, I don't like it. I don't think it's a good move. <laughs> Well, I think the whole the whole spirit of it is to uh, you know improve the play, players that, that that contribute into the community and uh, and help with grassroots football in all levels uh, of of community involvement. And I, I, so I do like the spirit of it, but we can we can get back into the game here. Okay. Yeah. We're getting too sidetracked. Well, no, but it, but it is a topic of conversation. I've been asked this question at least ten times, and I'll be honest with you, I feel like I'd answer most questions that fans ask me, and I I can't answer that question. So yeah. I'm actually glad you brought that up. Yeah, well, it sparked me today because right. we've gotten a few different depth right. charts with different people in, in different spots, right. and they all have to do with that, that DA spot. So, uh, you I know. would suggest you bring on one of the officials, uh, Mr. Foxcroft maybe, sure, and sit down with him and have him explain it completely so the fans understand it. Because well, I he, don't totally understand well, it. Well, I, I think he may be learning new rules very soon, so <laughs> that's another story, though. Coach, let me throw this to you. We talked a lot of offense, defense. A lot of topic of the conversation in the press room, at least, has been the Tiger Cats issue on second down. What can they do, especially in these second and long situations that seem teams are, are converting all the time? We go back, and I went and looked at the percentages. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 57% of the time converted second down. Uh, the Toronto Argonauts, 47% and 45% in the last game against the Alouettes. And to me, again, you've played coach defenses. That seems too high to me. Well, second down conversions are a key to winning teams. The winning teams this year are averaging 52.9 uh, convert uh, on second down. The losing teams are 39.6. Oh, my. So you, your, your uh, point is well taken. You know, if you can't make second down, if, you get, if you're second and three and you can't run the ball and get that first down, you're off the field. Now, defensively, on the other side of the ball, when we look at what's happened, we've given up eight passes over 30-plus yards in three ball games. That's way too much uh, to give uh, an opposing uh, football team. And, and we talk about playing uh, complementary football. The Cats are 0-3 and have been outscored in the first halves of the sea of the games 72 to 19. The defense has allowed a league high 13 TDs and special teams have been penalized 12 times. That's not complimentary football. That's just the opposite of it. And and that in is where we are as a record 0-3. Well you ask why aren't we seeing some of the jet sweeps? Why aren't we seeing some more bootlays, some more well, if the defense is giving up first downs and chunk yardage, the offense isn't getting as many attempts. If the offense can't convert on second down, they can't get into a rhythm and, and open up their playbook and set up a play from a previous play. They can't have you know something that's just slightly different, look like the same thing, and then throw in a little wrinkle and have it be successful. So uh, complementary football is, is a real, 
real bona fide thing, and, and that's been a, a big problem for the Cats so far this You're year. You're absolutely right, Andy. And, you know, you go back and you look at it, it it's a, a second down and three situation. If, if, if you don't feel comfortable running the ball to get that, even if you only get two, you now have third and one. You ought to be able to pick up that third and one. But if it's second down and three, and you throw 40 yards downfield for an incompletion, what do you got to do next? You got to punt the ball. You know, and, and so uh, you've actually put your defense in a bad position. It seems like they're gassed. Like, it does seem like, uh, again, I don't know what the time of possession has been exactly for the Tiger Cats. I, I have a ballpark idea. But it does seem like that we, we're in situations where, where Mark Washington ends up sending uh, zero blitzes and stuff like that. And, and we're not getting to the quarterback. And these and these receivers seemingly are wide open. And, and I, I just wonder, there's got to be some type of correction for that, that, the, that they can execute more. But it just does seem like they're gassed. Well, you know, you go back to the idea that uh, Ottawa leads the CFL in sacks with 12. Okay, so if you look at the statistics, no team after a sack has been able to score a TD this year. There's zero wow. and 70. Wow. So a sack is important. And so you, if, if you want to get that offense off the field, to me, you put pressure on the quarterback, and that brings us to Mazzoli. How do you play Jeremiah Masoli? This guy is a veteran player that has the ability to, to read defenses. But I'll go back to this. Game speed is different than practice speed. This man has not played for a year. I would come out with all kinds of pressure and see if he can handle the quick throws and, and move the ball that way. I would not sit back and let Jeremiah throw the ball downfield. And Andy knows this very well. We go back to Edmonton. Uh, several years ago, where uh, Zach Kolaris got hurt in the ball game. Actually, yeah. What year was it? Sixteen. In, in in sixteen, and Jeremiah Masoli came in the game and went twenty-three straight completions for a league record at that time on the road. On the road in Edmonton to bring the team back to a thirty-eight thirty-four win. So well, that's the kind of a player you're up against. Yeah, you get it, you let somebody get on a roll, and uh, and and that way the playbook opens up even more and and then you continue to have success in many different ways and um you know we don't want to keep looking in the past let's look let's look forward here we got a great opportunity in front of us and by the way have... andy was really good in that game <laughs> i think everybody everybody had a pretty good game that was that was a lot of fun i i distinctly remember the game and the uh the post game uh, we flew back right after but the owners were with us and it was uh it was a good time i'll tell you that much um, but yeah, we do have a lot of bright spots. I mean, we've had when 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 James Butler has had a chance. I thought he's uh, delivered on his opportunities. Um, you have Duke Williams coming off of back-to-back hundred-yard games. Uh, you know, we the, Tim White is sort of still just on the verge of breaking out, and Matthew Schultz did throw for a lot of yards last game. And if we can build on that, and like you said. Not just the drive for show, but putt for dough and finish in the end zone. Uh, he's got an explosive offense here. Yeah, and, yeah. And he I'll, threw I'll, for 345 yards. But between the 20s, when they get in the red zone, they shut down. And, and that's where you've got to have that run game. If you don't run the ball early in a ball game, you will have a difficult time running it when you have to run it to get into the end zone. 
Well, Coach, you're going to like my uh, car star keys to victory, <laughs> <laughs> as you as you usually do. We, we seem to often be on the same page. Folks, he is Coach Sal with his pregame salutations. John Salavanis, appreciate your time and insight as always. It's top notch. Hey, thank you, Bubba and Andy. It's good to be with you.